Thank you for joining me today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and thank you for letting him do his work in us. We know that it is not by our works that we can have life or joy or salvation. It is clearly your work and your plan that allows us to experience your holy presence and your grace and your sovereignty. Thank you for giving us the opportunity once more to listen to your message and to be guided by you. We ask, Lord, that you continue to do work in us and show us your glory so that we might truly be your children. Amen. If we were to talk about human strength and human abilities, we would also have to talk about the fact that humans have limitations. We can only do so much with our strength, character, personality, intellect, the way that we think about others, how we think about God, and what we think about Him, how we treat our family, or friends, or neighbors, and even our enemies. There is a point in life when we realize that we have limitations. Some might say that all we can do is do our best with what God has given us. That comes to my point in the greatest gift that God has given us, His Holy Spirit. As I spoke in the last podcast entitled, Holy Spirit Influence, I talked about the Holy Spirit as one who should influence our lives. We should see a change in our lives when the Holy Spirit does His work in us. Other people should see the change as well. In Charles Spurgeon's book, God's Promises, he talks about the work of the Holy Spirit versus the work of humans. Spurgeon uses the example of Isaac and Ishmael, the sons of Abraham. In fact, they both are the sons of Abraham, but they are quite different. He says, Yet one of them inherited the covenant blessing, while the other was simply a prosperous man of the world. As we look at scripture in Genesis chapter 15, and what Spurgeon says, the example of God working in us, and the human effort to bring about God's will, differ so much when it comes to God's work. They both were sons of Abraham, but Ishmael, the child of Hagar, Spurgeon reminds us, was the offspring of Abraham under ordinary conditions. He was born after the flesh, or through human effort. Isaac, the son of Sarah, was not born by the strength of nature. We are told that the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, You will have a son of your own who will be your heir. This is the first part of the Lord's promise to Abraham. The scripture tells us what happens next. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. This is without a doubt a promise that can only be made and fulfilled by God and His work. We can see that because this covenant or promise that God made with Abraham, Isaac was born through the power and works of God Himself. Spurgeon says, He was given to his parents by the Lord, 
and was born according to the promise through faith. This is a critical distinction, and it distinguishes the true child of God from him who only claims to be a child of God. Again, there should be no question or doubt that Isaac is a true child of God. Abraham's wife had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, said to him, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and be with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Ishmael was not of the promise. As Paul stated in Galatians chapter 4, Ishmael is the child born by human effort, and Isaac is the child born by the power of the Spirit. As I conclude with this example of God's works versus our works, Spurgeon reminds us about our salvation and the promise of God. Salvation by works is one thing. Salvation by grace is another. Salvation by human strength is the opposite of salvation by divine power. Salvation by our own resolve is the opposite of salvation by the promise of God. You may wash the face and hands of Ishmael as much as you please, but you cannot turn him into Isaac. You may improve your human nature, but you cannot change it into grace. The birth of Jesus is one of the greatest examples of the Holy Spirit working to produce the will of God. In only four verses in chapter 1 of the Gospel according to Matthew, we learn that Mary, the mother of our Lord, was still a virgin when she became pregnant. How is this possible? God says that she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. As I stated when speaking about God's promise to Abraham, this is without a doubt a promise that can only be made and fulfilled by God. Jesus tells us in John chapter 3, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. In John chapter 5, Jesus speaks to the Jewish leaders when he claims to be the Son of God, he tells them, I can do nothing on my own. I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own. If we are to be true children of God, should we be doing what we feel is right, what we want, and trusting that God will guide us? Or should we be like Jesus and admit that we can do nothing on our own? but only the will of our Father in heaven. For even the Son of God can do nothing on his own. Being dependent on God is a great way to live. We don't have to rely on our own wisdom or understanding. We can trust and believe that God's will is both being done and will be satisfactory to him. We don't have to be filled with grief or disappointment when things do not go our way, even the strongest laid plans fail. We can and should always ask for wisdom and understanding from God. He can show us His will, not just by guiding us or giving us answers, but by showing us our faith towards Him.
To conclude, in the words of Charles Spurgeon, when he discusses speaking from the heart and relying on the promises of God, he wants us to think in this way. My hope lies only in the promise of God. He has set forth that promise in the person of his Son, Jesus, to every sinner who believes in him. I do believe in him. Therefore, I trust and believe that the Lord will fulfill his promise and bless me. I look for heavenly blessedness, not as the result of my own efforts, but as the gift of God's free favor. My hope is set only and completely upon the free and gratuitous love of God to guilty men by which he has given his Son, Jesus Christ, to put away sin and to bring in everlasting righteousness for those who do not deserve it.